You're listening to episode number seven of the Vegan Athletic Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Bovolino. In today's episode, we're back in the lab with Dr. Steve as he explains the key factors that lead to an athlete becoming overtrained. It's a common issue that athletes can run into, and so we felt it was an important topic to break apart so that you can avoid or at least know how to assess overtraining syndrome. There are a lot of good tips that both Steve and myself go over in this episode, which could potentially help you to take your fitness to a whole new level and avoid the setbacks that overtraining can bring about. good we're good all right um steve yep what have you eaten today what have you eaten today what have you what have you eaten today um this morning i had some muesli with some fresh banana on it mm-hmm. and then for lunch mum made this delicious barley soup yeah it was good oh barley just we're back home in uh in, in our which mom, which home village. Mum is uh, cooking for us. She's cooking vegan beast mode. Delicious. Delicious barley soup with some quinoa and other bits and pieces. And, and broccoli. Just trying to eat nice and simple because we've got the uh, the Wang two-day tour cycling event this weekend. So Wanger had a two-day tour. Just some good, um, just some good quality carbohydrates mm. and... Uh, Nice and simple on mm. the gut, so it was delicious. It was good. Have yeah. you had anything else? Um, oh, bits and pieces, nuts and seeds. Just some. Have you really eaten nuts and seeds? Yeah, I had some almonds. Oh yeah. And um, what else? And a couple of biscuits. Oh. Mum cracked open the Italian. Yeah, she made some Italian biscotti. Yeah, we're lucky. Mum, mum's good for that. Yeah. She just great. veganized everything that was. We've always eaten in the past. Yeah, she's so pretty clever. Keeps it fun. Steve, what are we tackling today? So today, Daniel, we're going to talk about the overtraining syndrome or the overtrained athlete. Mm. And then we can segue into um, just people who are uh, like maybe feeling a bit underdone and then how they can approach um, the... You know the 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 doctor patient or doctor athlete relationship, mm-hmm. and how they can request some basic bloods and what those basic bloods mean. I guess. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think the first thing we talk about is um, is overtraining and in specific, like in particular, the overtraining syndrome. I think it's really interesting. Um, it's an actual syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's a so it's a thing. Mm. It's quite a, a like a vague and nebulous thing to diagnose. Um, it's not like we can just like order a test and say, "Yep, you've got overtraining syndrome." Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a, um, it's more of a like a collective term for a bunch of symptoms that are experienced by mm-hmm. someone who is overtrained. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to know um, because some people um, are maybe a little bit overdone and mm. and need a break and. 
Um, there's a difference between um, overtraining syndrome versus, you know, maybe just being a little bit tired. Mm-hmm. We can sort of um, navigate these waters and, yeah. and give some clarity to them. Yeah. We've heard of it a few times with some of our athletic mates becoming yeah. a bit wrecked. And so you've, you've, you've uh, been a bit experienced with having to diagnose it a few times now. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, it's, it's a, it is a hard thing to, to diagnose mm. and, um, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's just really interesting physiology once again. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think it's a definitely podcastable. Yep. So where do you want, where do we begin? Obviously we, yep. we begin with your buckled. Yeah. Okay. So before we get to your buckled, <laughs> Let's like once again just establish a few definitions, um, because that helps frame everything we're going to talk about. Yeah. So the first thing I want to talk about is um, the model of progressive overload, which is basically a model we use, or you know, you open any textbook and it will be um, talking about this idea of, of progressive overload. It's how we how we acquire fitness Mm -hmm. so uh, to start off like we'll talk about under training um and then we'll go to like acute overload overreaching and then overtraining Mm -hmm. so these are four definitions that help sort of um help sort of frame where an athlete is perhaps in their in their training year Mm. so if someone's under trained or under training um, this this often happens in between seasons. So, you know, you've, you've just finished your block of racing and you're not racing for another three months. Mm. You're doing just enough training to maintain your fitness or perhaps sort of even drop a little bit of your fitness. Um, but there's no, there's no improvement in your, in your performance. So there's no pr- improvement in your physiological adaptions. Mm-hmm. That's under training. Then we've got acute overload which is an average training load where an athlete is stressing the body enough to improve physiological performance and function. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you, you got your week planned and, and you're maybe in your, in your base phase or something uh, or, you, you know, an early build phase and you're, you're stressing the body enough to, to get better, mm-hmm. to improve yourself. Mm-hmm. Then there's this idea of overreaching which is a term that refers to a brief period of heavy overload without adequate recovery, Mm. right? Um, So you exceed your adaptive capacity and then so you you actually drop in your physical performance. But with adequate rest, you then get better. Mm -hmm. Okay, so like think of a training camp. Mm -hmm. So you've gone into like a five-day training camp and you've accumulated a high training load. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that training camp, you know, you're not as good, you're wrecked, Mm -hmm. right? You're not as good as you were. You couldn't go out and do something impressive. Mm -hmm. But given enough time to absorb that training load and that stress, you are then better Mm -hmm. because of that. Mm -hmm. So that's overreaching, Mm -hmm. which is safe and and okay to Mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. Then there is overtraining. Okay, now overtraining is the point at which an athlete experiences physiological and chronic performance decrement. Mm. Okay, which generally then leads to the overtraining syndrome. Mm. So, I, when you are overtrained or overtraining, 
you're doing too much, either in volume, intensity, or time, or whatever it is, mm. that you are you are dropping your performance mm. chronically, mm. which is different to overreaching, which is dropping your performance, you know, briefly, but yeah. then getting better. Yeah. So if you are overtrained, you'll experience this sudden drop in performance and function that can't be remedied by a few days rest mm. like that we normally experience. Mm. Hey, yeah, yeah, that was a hard training camp. Had some time off. Now mm. I feel better. Mm. If you're overtrained, you're just not getting any better. Mm. The overtraining syndrome, as I said before, it's a collective term for the symptoms experienced when an athlete is, is overtrained, right? And it's this complex combination of emotional and physiological factors that together when combined give you this whole subset of symptoms that represent the overtraining syndrome. Mm. And that emotional aspect Mm. is key in there as well because yes, there are a whole lot of physiological things that are happening to the body when when it's overtrained or when you've got overtraining syndrome. But... It's this psychological component or emotional component that's often key. And there's often quite a lot of links with uh, like clinical depression Mm. in overtrained athletes. So like to sum all that up, someone with overtraining syndrome has psychological symptoms and has like um, physiological symptoms. Mm. And those physiological symptoms often relate to... Uh, three main sort of bodily systems which we'll talk about. Okay. The nervous system. Yeah. The immune system. Yeah. And um, the endocrine system, which is your hormones. Right. Yeah. Okay. So does that, that gives us a, mm. we'll, we'll, we'll like, do you have any questions before we launch no, into? No, no, that's good. I, yeah. Yeah. So, I'll talk a little bit now about the common symptoms which sort of, encapsulate uh, the overtrained athlete or the mm. overtraining syndrome and then I'll go into those um, those three specific uh, systems that are implicated physiologically. Mm. I won't go too much into the psychological stuff. I'll just tell you what those things are. So if someone's overtrained, they'll often have this cluster of symptoms. You don't have to have them all but they'll, they'll, they'll present to you like this. They'll have this sensation of like, it's like, like a loss of muscular strength, coordination or exercise capacity. It's just like, oh, you know, like I've just, my legs feel, feel dead. Mm. Um, they're fatigued, obviously. Their appetite's changed. They often experience weight loss. They're sleeping poorly. They're, they're irritable or anxious or restless. They've lost their motivation or their, their vigor. Um, they feel depressed. Mm. And they, they have this lack of appreciation for everything, including exercise. Mm. Right? And these are those strong psychological components that, I'm, that you know, I mentioned before. Mm. So to now go into... I want to I talk about, in particular, the nervous system the endocrine system and the immune system, which are all implicated in uh, in this syndrome. So the the hardest one to talk about is the nervous system, and we'll do we'll do that one first. Um, so the nervous system is 
sort of like you've got different parts of your nervous system. So you like the nervous system basically is made up of you've got your central nervous system mm-hmm. and your peripheral nervous system and then your autonomic nervous system. So I'll break those things down a little mm-hmm. bit. Central nervous system is your brain and your spinal cord. Mm-hmm. Your peripheral nervous system is basically all of those nerves in the periphery of your body emanating from your spinal cord that result in, you know, like your like your skeletal muscle nerves that, that make you sort of feel things in your fingers or mm-hmm. pick things up and mm-hmm. engage your skeletal muscles. Mm-hmm. That's your, like your peripheral nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system is the part of your nervous system that you cannot control. So I think we spoke about this in the first podcast and we didn't go into it in too much detail. Mm. But I spoke about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. The rest and digest versus the flight or fight nervous Mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. Parasympathetic nervous system is the the part of of your autonomic nervous system that you can't control that brings you down. Rest and digest. It lowers your heart rate. It lowers your blood pressure. Um, You know, it like... It, it, it's think of like when you're asleep, your parath- par- like parasympathetic nervous system is doing on. its job. Yeah. On, yeah. Right? Your sympathetic nervous system is the opposite. It ramps you up. So mm-hmm. everything related to that, you know that feeling you get when you get scared, mm. and when someone scares you, mm. and like you get a you get like a total rush. Mm. That's your sympathetic nervous system going whack, mm. right? So it increases your heart rate, increases your blood rate, gets you ready to like run away or fight, so mm-hmm. fight or flight. Mm-hmm. The reason I mentioned those two nervous systems or those components of the autonomic nervous system is because they are, they are the ones that are implicated in overtrained athletes. And based on what type of how you've reached that overtrained state, one of those nervous systems will be more in play or the other, mm-hmm. which can give you an even more specific set of or subset of symptoms. Mm-hmm. So if you are... Um, an athlete who's, re- who's who's become cooked or overtrained mm. from too much intensity, mm. then you're you often have sympathetic nervous system abnormalities, which is increased heart rate, increased blood pressure, loss of appetite, decreased body mass. Yeah, you know, like y- your sympathetic system is is has been fried a little bit. Mm. Whereas if you've done too much endurance. Mm. Your parasympathetic nervous system is is the defective part wow. of, of your autonomic nervous system. So mm. they'll they'll have early onset of fatigue, decrease. They'll have a decreased resting heart rate. They'll have a rapid heart rate recovery after exercise because your parasympathetic nervous system is, is what slows your heart rate mm, down. Mm-hmm. So you so you'll have a decreased resting heart rate, and then like you'll finish exercise, and your and your heart rate drops just, real quick. just drops real quick, which mm. like in an, in an abnormal kind of way. Mm. Um, and they'll have like decreased resting blood pressure and all that kind of stuff as mm, well. Mm. So like if you know if you're a really astute clinician, you can elicit a whole subset of specific symptoms yep. that make you go, yeah, I reckon you've reached the state from too much intensity, or you've reached the state from too much endurance. Yeah, right. So that's the that's the 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 nervous system. Yep. Showing 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 signs. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The second system that I want to talk about uh, is the endocrine or the hormonal system, mm. right? So I just want to preface, and actually this applies to what I just spoke about as well. Those symptoms and everything I talk about today, nothing is like, yep, 
you've that that means you've got overtraining sim- mm. you can experience all of these within a range of normality as mm. well mm. all right so it's not like you can just like pick any of one of those things and go yeah you're you're overtrained mm. and it's the same same thing with the if the hormonal changes right you can't because these will show up in your bloods mm-hmm. you can't just do a blood test and say yep you know this is this means that you're overtrained mm. they all give you little indications that someone is possibly overtrained mm. because they can all happen within the range of normality. I mean, we all have our off days as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't feel like training. Yeah. Um, sometimes our heart rate does funny things. And in, in the same in the same breath, we can say that, you know, these hormonal changes can also happen within the realms of like normality as well. Mm-hmm. So having said that, cortisone like sorry, cortisol levels are often um, increased in overtrained athletes. So, what's what's cortisol, right? Cortisol mm-hmm. is it's it's called the stress hormone, and it's released in times of stress, and also when we have like low blood sugar. And its chief role is it's released by the adrenal glands, the adrenal glands, and its chief role is to um, like increase your blood sugar, suppress the immune system and sort of aid in the metabolism of, of like proteins, fats and carbs. Mm. But you often see a, a huge cortisol spike when someone is experiencing whole body stress. Mm. So like they're, they're sick or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, testosterone levels go down mm-hmm. in an overtrained athlete, mm-hmm. right? Um, so testosterone... Um, is produced in the testicles in males mm-hmm. and to a much lesser extent the, the ovaries in females because mm-hmm. chicks have testosterone as well just mm-hmm. a whole lot less mm-hmm. um, and it's an anabolic steroid and also a sex hormone so it's important obviously for the growth and development of the testes and of the male testes and the prostate and all that kind of stuff but it's also very important just for general well-being Namely, like bone and muscle mass mm-hmm. as well. And the other hormone that's implicated is thyroxine, which is thyroxine is produced by your thyroid gland and um, it's responsible for the regulation of metabolism, among other things. Mm-hmm. So cortisol up, testosterone down, mm. thyroxine down. Mm-hmm. That's what happens to the endocrine system in an overtrained athlete. Mm. Any questions before I hit? the last system um a lot of athletes do experience low testosterone don't they like it's it's not like this is this is you can't just pick out oh i've got low testosterone i'm overtrained correct and that's Mm. that's because you know it's a normal Mm. response for your test to drop in periods of um of training stress yeah so yeah. this is what I mean when I say, you know, there's no silver bullet in, in the diagnosis of some, you know, overtraining syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to look at things collectively mm. um, and take, you know, like a really good history as well as looking at some blood markers yep. to make a diagnosis. Having said that, mm-hmm. there is a very, an oddly specific way to see if someone is overtrained. Right. And we'll, we'll talk about it in the tip. Okay. The third component we spoke about. So just to recap, we talked about the psychological things that happen. Yeah. We've spoken about the nervous system. Yeah. We've spoken hormones. about. Sorry. And now we've spoken. And about the hormones. hormones. And the last thing is the immune system changes. Mm-hmm. So overtrained athletes 
have basically the best way to describe it is this low grade level of whole body inflammation, mm. right? Which results in a, like a blunted immune system. Mm. So um, there's these there's this um, like a regulatory biochemical called a cytokine, which is very similar to a hormone, and I won't get into the specifics about what's the difference between a cytokine and a hormone, but your immune cells basically release these cytokines and they can be like very pro-inflammatory and they are like, they are pumping out in someone who is is overtrained, mm. right? And which results in uh, this whole body sort of in- inflammatory state, mm. which results in a blunted immune system. So they're very susceptible to getting you know, infections and coughs and colds and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if someone rocks up and they're, they're, you know, oh, you know, I've just got no motivation, I'm, I feel fatigued, I'm tired, I'm, I'm really down. Um, they've got funny things happening to their heart rate and blood pressure. Um, you know, you do a blood test and you look at their, their, their blood markers and it's like their cord- the cortisol's up, test is down and the thyroxine's down. And they're, you know, they've got a cold and they're like, they, you know, it's the second cold in a month or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, all these things are starting to stack up mm-hmm. and suggest that this person is experiencing the overtraining syndrome, which mm-hmm. is a, which is the collective term for all of these, these symptoms. Mm-hmm. Now, what is the best predictor of the overtraining syndrome? Apparently... Apparently, and like I stand to be corrected, but this is what my textbook said. Um, the best predictor of someone being overtrained, sorry, so yeah, someone being overtrained, mm-hmm. right, is an increased heart rate at sub max exercise. So, say for example, three months ago, they went and ran 30 minutes and their average heart rate, heart rate was 155 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. A good way to see if someone is a bit cooked. So go and run that same, go and run at the same intensity. Mm-hmm. Go and run it, you know, four minute pace if that's what you did at last time, mm-hmm. and see what their average heart rate is. Mm-hmm. Right, mm. and it, the 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 caveat here is make sure that, that they haven't just not trained for, you know, the past three months. Mm-hmm. They've still kept their training. Yeah, up, yeah well, yeah, right? yeah. Because otherwise that would explain the increase in heart rate. Mm-hmm. But you will see that they have an increased heart rate mm. for that sub max exercise mm-hmm. intensity and duration. Mm-hmm. So that that is a really really good indicator mm. that someone's that your heart rate's just up. Yeah, if your mm. heart rate's up when it should be de- going down. Yeah, I because mean, you're training more, you're you should be getting more. Or efficient. it should be that at that same at level. Same. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But how much up? Oh, I, I couldn't give you a, a percentage, yeah. but like but what, it'll be significant. Yeah, okay, it'll be like you know ten beats per minute or something more. like that. Okay, more. so that's when you start to to look at that. You're like, wow, that was. Yeah, and you obviously days. need to look for for trends as well because mm. they might have just had a coffee or something like that. Got you, got you. So if you can look at these trends, mm. then you start to really um, hone in on what's going on mm, mm. and get an idea of yeah, okay, this person. This person is overtrained. Overtrained. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm just going to point out there's lots of noises going on. Um, so we've got the heater that's kicking in and out. We've got mum laughing in the background downstairs yeah. with Olivia. Yeah. And there's beautiful birds that are singing outside. That's so all right. These are all, gonna, noise. These are all happy noises. They're all. Man. <laughs> they're fine. So yeah. yeah. So we can just put up with them. Yeah. They're not that bad. Um, so 
Okay, cool. So we've discovered that someone is overtrained. Yep. Um, where to from here? Mm. So I mean, obviously, that the, the the next logical step is like, what do you do about mm-hmm. it? And there's, you know, this is pretty simple. Mm. The way that you know, there's no, there's nothing fancy here. Mm. You need time off, mm. and it's weeks, if not months. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, Depending on how how bad the damage. Yeah, is. obviously, you mm. know, it, 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 it would be dependent, but if. So the first thing that goes through my head is like, well, oh, can I just, can I just do easy training? Is that okay? Yeah. So like, you just need total rest. Wow. God, just, that's that's hard for. Yeah. I mean, you, no, having you can significantly reduce it, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, you'd want to be really, really dropping it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's kind of like. All right, time to go do some yoga instead. Probably. And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and eat properly. This is the other thing. Like okay. the, other, the other way we treat it is um, to pretty much increase someone's caloric load and in particular make sure that they're having a, a really high percentage of or increase their percentage of carbohydrates because you often see that find they have depleted liver and muscle glycogen stores. Mm. So get someone's eating in check mm-hmm. and put an emphasis on good quality carbohydrates mm-hmm. and treat the psychological stress mm. that they're that they're experiencing as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So this is where, you know, good like a, a psychologist or a sports psychologist or mm. a psychiatrist might might come in handy if, mm-hmm. because they they do have a lot of depressive sort of symptoms. I mean they're really just flat. Yeah. Um and then I guess going forward is when when they reinitiate training is prevention through proper periodized training mm-hmm. and this is where something like like training peaks mm. um is really really useful mm-hmm. because you can look at your chronic training load versus your acute acute training load and your stress training your, your um your training stress balance and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm. and you can periodize your year mm. you know what i mean people need to realize that you cannot, you, you know, you cannot be on the whole year. And mm-hmm. this is, this is people who are experiencing overtraining syndrome are those type of athletes who just, just continuously don't periodize their training properly. Mm. You know, like three, if, whether it's three weeks on and an absorption week or, mm. you know, or this is where a coach comes in massive handy because really amateur athletes aren't doing enough exercise to become overtrained. Like yeah. you've got to be doing a lot. Yeah. Um, and you know you often see, it in- but there are. I think the thing is nowadays is that we we're starting to see a lot of amateur athletes that are um, uh, making training and and racing and stuff like that a really big part of their life. Yeah, they work yep. nine to five and stuff like that. Yep. But there are a lot of people now who are entering these high <laughs> training stress waters. Well, I mean, and then they're also, I guess now I'm thinking about it, they could almost be even more susceptible because they're got doing more. The, the, you know, the daily stress of Stress of work, yeah. Um, and, and uh, yeah, and I agree. I think this is where you, you, if you're getting to that pointy end, it's really time to start thinking about a coach because yeah. it's one thing to, if you are inclined to be that type of person where you want to do all the research and work out how to balance your training and yeah. all of that sort of stuff. If you're if you're that way inclined, then go for it, do it. Yeah. Um, but I think this is why a lot of people and a lot of people don't value 
um, coaches, but this is the, the number one reason why you want to get a coach yeah, because I mean, they can manage all of this for you. And the biggest comment that a lot of people make when they start training under a coach is usually the coach is going to balance you out properly yeah. and they're like, oh, I don't feel like I'm doing that much. Yeah. Like yeah. it doesn't feel that hard or whatever. Yeah. And, and then you get three or four months into that program and you're hooking, you're doing really, you're by then you're re, it's really hard, yep. but they're, they're going to keep an eye on those, uh, on those stresses on your body. Absolutely. I mean, cause they, it's, you have to invest quite a lot of time and effort into understand if you do get a trainings peak account or whatever, Yeah. if you can't be stuffed working out what that is, you know what I mean? What, what your CTL and all and, and mm. that kind of stuff is then yeah, coaches. And also like even, even, you know, even if you do understand it, then these guys have specifically worked day in and day out mm. and know how to periodize your year properly because mm. that's the way you should be looking at things. Yeah. If you're looking at things in a 12-month cycle, cycle, you cannot... And, 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 you know, this is where they talk about having an A, a B, and a C race. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like... I remember when Aiden, uh, when I first started getting coaching with Aiden, he was like, I want you to pick... Like, he gave me a form to fill yeah. He's like, I want you to pick your A, B, and C races. Yeah. And I'm like... I don't, what, what do you mean? Like, I, just yeah. want to, I just want to smash it all yeah. year round. All year round. <laughs> What's this A, B, and C stuff? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't have an A, B, and C race. Yeah. But, you know, after a full solid um, nearly year, a year now, yeah, of training with Aiden and, and realizing the importance of that, yep. seeing how uh, the, there is that ebb and flow of, uh, of, of peaking, yep. of base build and then peaking and yep. then. Yeah, what comes after yeah. that, and all of that is you know that that's that's periodized mm. training. That's what mm. we mean when we say periodizing your training. Yeah, make sure you have some some time off at the at, you know a part, as part of your twelve month cycle, whether yeah. it's one week, or sorry, one month of yeah, really really reduced training load or something. Yeah, like that. and I think that the 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 filler for that because for a lot of people, you know, um, the the whole thing of training is is a way to fill your life. You know, yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, I think in those in those phases when you are off, mm. that is a good time to do some of that softer stuff. Do the do the yoga. Yeah. Really work on your diet again. Yeah. Then, like really yeah, reassess. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, like clean your clean your diet right up and yeah. and um, give your digestion a really good overhaul and all that sort of jazz. And and yeah. I think that um, it fits. It, well, then it's gonna yeah. flow into that next phase. You listen to, like, I don't know if anyone out there has listened to any podcast by Macca, Chris McCormick, mm. when he talks about how, you know, his road to finally winning Kona, mm. it was all about um, him realising that he he was just racing way too much. Mm. He wasn't periodising his training. And, and, you know, they, they said to him, mate, if you want to win Kona, you need to, like, race, make Kona your A race. Mm. And not expect to go and just smash every race all around the world all the time because mm. he was a, a bit he was a bit overdone. Mm. Um so yeah, that's that's overtraining and the overtraining syndrome. Mm. Now I guess we can talk about and you can leave this through some questions to me mm. as to how to approach um maybe seeing your GP or mm. seeing a sports yeah. Physician. Yeah. So I think that there's, you know, you and I have heard this many times now from friends and, and, and we've yeah. noticed that people just, they get to this point where they cook it and they're like, mm. you're lost yeah. and you don't know what to do. And you start seeing it, like, we have both had a lot of people 
come to us over the years and be like, oh, I went to my GP and I told him that I'm vegan and I told him yeah. that, that uh, I need blood tests and then it was a conversation about veganism yeah. and really I'm just cooked at the moment. I don't know what's wrong with me, blah, blah, blah. And everyone, <laughs> everyone's at this big peak and you're usually like, whoa, just calm down. Yeah. Here's, here's how we can go about it. And I think this is maybe what you can start answering is what what's... What's step number one? You, you've yeah. you've you've come to that point where you're wrecked. Mm. You're really worried. Mm. You're concerned, mm. and you you want to know. Well, is this just a a a, a particular nutrient issue that I've got? Because the big one is like, oh, my protein might be low, or blah blah blah, yeah. or, or my iron's probably low, and this is why I'm feeling wrecked. Yeah, it's like you can't just always bring it down to this one thing. So. What what do you go and do? How do you go and test? Like what do you what do you yeah. what's what's the blood test procedure? And yeah. what's your advice for mm. when you do go and see a GP? What kind of conversation do you have? Because a lot of people are, who are listening, you know, they're, they're vegan athletes, yeah, and they probably haven't even had a blood test done yet, yeah. So, I mean, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be hiding anything from from any medical practitioner if you like tell like you can feel free to tell them you're vegan because mm. that will help the GP direct some of the bloods. Mm. Having said that, mm. whether you're vegan or not, the you know, if the medical practitioner is worth his salt, then he'll order the same tests. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone who's presenting fatigued mm. will get the same sort of subset of or same panel of blood tests. Mm-hmm. All right? Just because someone says they're vegan, mm-hmm. obviously they the the alarm bells will ring off with, with B12 and iron yep. and all that kind of stuff. Yep. But like, you'll get the same tests as anyone who presents yep. saying that they're fatigued. So the com- what is the what's the conversation you're wanting to have with your GP? What are you going into? Oh, you, you, literally, like, you just make it simple as possible. It's just like you say what the issue is. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm you know such and such, and I'm feeling tired lately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm quite an active person, mm-hmm. and I've been noticing that I, that I've been feeling fatigued. Am I able just to have um, a basic blood panel? Mm. Right now, now, can we re-emphasize again that yeah. we're talking about highly trained athletes here to no. have to have overtraining? Not at all. No. Oh, sorry, sorry to have overtraining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, we're, yeah, we're not yeah, talking yeah. about your your average everyday. No, if you're exercising five hours a week, you're not really accumulating enough mm. training stress to 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 have proper full-blown overtraining syndrome. Yeah. You're talking about high-level athletes yeah. that are putting in, you know, 20-plus hours a week. Yeah. Um, having said that, that doesn't mean that as an amateur athlete, you cannot um, have a have a, have a a deficiency of some description, mm. right? From your training. From Well, not necessarily. It wouldn't be from, wouldn't be from your training. Right. And you would... You would very rarely find a GP that would request... Um, like cortisol levels and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. You'd be that would be more like a sports physician, mm-hmm. particularly. Dad's just entered the house yeah. and, he, and he's like calling. He's about to bust in the yeah, room. It's quite off putting, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, like to answer your question, mm. basically you go to your GP and they would like they're, they're all we're all trained to look for some common things. Mm. There's a, there's an there's an there's a saying in medicine is the common things are common. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if someone's fatigued, 
the the most obvious place to look is okay you know what's what's their what's their red blood cell count looking mm-hmm. like are they anemic mm-hmm. um what's their iron are they iron deficient mm-hmm. um have a look at uh you know b12 and folate and all these kinds of things and basically they'll do a whole test panel you don't have to specifically ask for anything in particular but you can just to make sure that they will Mm-hmm. So they'll often do an FBE, mm-hmm. which is a full blood count, which mm-hmm. is looking particularly at, at your um, how many red blood cells you've got, mm-hmm. right? And then also a little bit looking at the morphology of those red blood cells. Mm-hmm. Then you'll do a U, UEC, which is looking at your basically like your, your kidney function mm-hmm. and your, your urea, electrolyte, creatinine kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. that's looking at like your sodium, potassium, magnesium, phosphate, um, your calcium, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Then you'll um, you'll have iron studies, mm-hmm. right? Which obviously looks at you know your iron reserves and points out whether or not your iron division yeah. and dad is just entered the door, yeah, <laughs> and he's just ducked out again. Yeah. Clearly, like in his head, he can hear we're having a like this kind yeah. of discussion. Yeah, no, that's, just, that's that's dad. Yeah. He's overtrained. He's over. Yeah. he's cooked. He's cooked. <laughs> Cortisol level and you know everything is just we're up the off the creek. Um, so where was I? And then um, yeah, maybe ask for a B twelve and vitamin D. Sometimes they won't do that, mm. but um, that's there. You know, definitely things things to look at mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main things that if someone's going to be a bit fatigued, is going to be perhaps they're a bit anemic and iron deficient. They're mm-hmm. the main things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you've you've got those uh, test results now. Yeah. Um, and you know what are some of the where where to from here? You know, yep. like you're going to check through, and you might see that there's a couple of things that are low or yep. whatever, and your GP is going to help you absolutely go, go through that. Yeah. So the most common thing you'll see is, uh, and the main thing we're looking at here is like, okay, I are you are you anemic? Right. Mm-hmm. Anemia means that someone has a low uh, red blood cell count, mm-hmm. right? Or your hemoglobin's low, mm-hmm. right? So remember how we spoke about buses and taxis mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff in previous podcasts, mm-hmm. right? Um, if someone is anemic, that means that their hemoglobin is low, mm-hmm. which is the hemoglobin's the part of the red blood cell that carries the oxygen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If someone's hemoglobin's low, there's a number of reasons why that could be low. Mm-hmm. So then we look at, as part of the FBE panel, we'll look at the MCV. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get into too much detail here, but we can basically look at what type of anemia you've got. Yeah. So whether it's iron, whether it's related to iron deficiency anemia, yep. Yep. you have a low MCV, whether it's a, a macrocytic anemia, which is a high MCV, which is often related to deficiencies in B12 and folate. Mm-hmm. Um uh, or whether it's like a normocytic anemia, which is um, when someone is perhaps losing blood mm. or bleeding mm. a little bit. So sometimes you might have an ulcer in your in your gut, and this is where your your doctor will often ask you as well if you are iron deficient or you do have anemia or something like that. Um, you know, what are you, you? They ask you some invasive questions, but mm-hmm. always be honest because mm-hmm. there's a reason behind it. Are you experiencing any blood in your stools? Mm-hmm. You know, for example. Um, 
you know, like, are you have you noticed any any bleeding from from anywhere or you know? Often the most common thing is people have like stomach ulcers, in mm. which case they have like a slow leak of blood. That's sort of mm. you know you, you you're basically losing blood mm. from somewhere, mm. which results in your hemoglobin dropping, yep. and you can be very that's a very common cause of. Um, of fatigue, mm-hmm. or you know, you might have to you if, if it gets bad enough, or you've got a subset of symptoms, you might have to have a, like a colonoscopy, mm-hmm. or you know, or top and tail scopes, mm-hmm. um, like gastroscopy and colonoscopy, where they put a camera down your throat, look at see if there's any any stomach ulcers mm-hmm. or up the back passage to see if there's any evidence of of, of blood loss there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if it's just a simple iron deficiency anemia, then there's a couple of different ways that that can be replaced. Mm. Uh, so oral, oral, just like ferrograd C or something like that, which you can get from any chemist. Yeah. And um, uh, or obviously increasing the amount of iron in your diet as well. Mm-hmm. So looking at you know dark green leafy vegetables and legumes if you if you're a plant based athlete, you know it's integral to have a look at that as well. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage people to jump on like My Fitness Pal or something like that and plug in what you're eating in a normal day. Mm-hmm. And if you are coming out a bit under, then just mm-hmm. like you know, up the the iron rich foods, mm. um, but you may very well may very well may need to replace it um, through some tablets, or um, uh, or you may even need an intravenous mm-hmm. iron infusion in really in really deficient cases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can also do intramuscular inject injections as well. It's another option. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't do those things without the help of a of a doctor. Mm. Um, so, and the other thing I would, I would say just on that, if you're not iron deficient, don't don't take iron tablets mm. or don't replace it because there's good evidence to suggest that um, iron can actually be, you know, too much iron can be can be toxic mm-hmm. and can be, uh, you know, very bad for the body as well. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a disease state called hemochromatosis. Mm. Dad's got hemochromatosis, mm, which, is, which is a genetic, which is a, a genetic issue, which means that you are, you know, holding on to and producing way too much iron. Yeah. And um, it's uh, it's associated with um, you know heart disease and liver toxicity and you know, some really nasty things. Mm. So you don't want to be and as as a rule, don't replace something unless you're deficient in it. Mm, mm. And obviously, <clears throat> don't rely on that. You know, on on the tablet form as well. Mm. Um, try and get it in your diet. Correct it through through dietary means if if you can. Mm. Uh, but there's some people that just, you know, and women as well, really, you know, because they have their menstrual cycles and their menstrual period, very um, much more at risk of iron deficiency mm. anemia because they're losing a lot of blood mm. um, through heavy menstrual cycles or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, B12, obviously, so, you know, that can be either replaced through um, just a, like an oral tablet form as well. Um, this is something obviously that all vegans should be should be looking at, um, you know, yeah, staying on top of. Yeah, we do need to have a B twelve supplement. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you hear sto- I've heard stories. Um, this is a bit of a side note, but have you ever heard of a Nang? Nang. Yeah. So like, I think it's nitrous oxide or something. Or, oh. or like. People suck in names. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. like a yeah. People yeah. do. It's like a uh, the, the little um, soda soda bulbs, bulbs. or something. I, yeah. People do them like a drug. Yes. Right. And, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So people doing that and like if you do a lot of them, mm. it destabilizes your B twelve and basically 
um, I heard about someone going through the hospital not long ago, mm-hmm. and they'd she done like two hundred nangs in a short period of time, and she was massively B twelve deficient. Wow. And um, yeah, so people with true B twelve deficiencies and who are symptomatic, mm. they often have these neurological symptoms. Um, wow. Yeah. I don't know how we got to that. Yeah. Cooking on the nangs. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. And, you know, obviously B12 deficiency is not an exclusively, you know, vegan thing. But yes, um, they have a higher, you know, representation of Mm -hmm. B12 deficiency. Um, Because we're not eating animals that have had it injected into them. Yeah, either injected into them or the animals are nuzzling around in Mm -hmm. the foraging around in the grass. And so they're exposed to the bacteria which Mm -hmm. produce the B12 in them. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's B12, iron. Um, yeah. So you've got... Um, they're the main things. Yeah. So you you can... There's there's your main area yeah, of... Yeah, working out if you're bleeding, it out. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you switch over to... And this is where your GP is probably not, um, not that not as well trained mm. to deal with this, but then looking at your, your, like your calorie sort of... Are you eating enough? enough. What's your macronutrient ratio? Yeah. Um, and this is where, you know, either a nutritionist or a sports physician is probably, you know, a lot a lot better mm-hmm. at, um, at helping you with this stuff. Yeah. So go to your GP as like your first port of call. Yeah. And if the stuff gets too complicated for them, then they're just going to um, refer you on to someone who can help you. Like... Who are you wanting them to refer you on to? Com- to com- completely depends on what, what your issue got. is. Yeah, okay. If you've got blood in your stools and you need to go to a, yeah. you know... A, a gastroenterologist yeah. so you can have a scope yeah. if you've got simple iron deficiency anemia then the GP's more than well equipped to deal with that mm-hmm. um, I you know I'm going to show some bias here but mm. if you go to a sports physician mm. they're a doctor mm. who is trained in this specifically mm. who then can help you with the nutritional aspects mm. as well as refer you on like a GP can or treat iron deficiency anemia and they understand athletes intimately. They mm. deal with athletes mm. day in and day out. And so they also they also are completely aware of the whole concept of, of overtraining syndrome and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Well. I mean these and these are the, the these are the experts on mm. that on that stuff. Mm-hmm. So um you know I'm a big advocate of going straight to a, you don't you don't often need you don't need a referral to see a sports physician in Australia. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Yeah. So if you are at that pointy end uh, of, and you not are even if you're an amateur that, athlete, yep, and it's still worth going to see a, a sport. The only the only reason I'd say just going to a GP is because they're accessible. They're so accessible. Yep. Right. And often they're bulk billing, and they're and they're well equipped to to treat the common thing. Yeah. I will refer you on if you if that if need be. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Um. Yeah, I think I think maybe the only thing I want to say is just to to put that emphasis as well on rechecking your diet. Um, that's one that we or I've had some experience with some some mates who were having some issues with their training, yeah. feeling wrecked and stuff. And I just said to them, "All right, can like let's go through what you're eating and how you're eating and stuff like that, yeah. um, and we can." I'll I'll give the um I'll I'll give the a, a quick example of that is I had a friend who was and, and and this was just who had gone and got blood tests done who mm. had gone and seen a a sports um 
met or whatever and and we're still having some issues and i just said all right let's just have a look at um because all the bloods were fine all the blood work was all good there was Mm. nothing wrong there yeah but he was just feeling cooked and i was like and he was starting to question whether it was the diet whether it was like because he was vegan and stuff like that and and was a bit bit concerned he's like am i missing out on something here um so all i did was said all right let's just go through your day day to day day to day and let's see what you're doing so what are you having for what are you doing getting up in the morning it's like yeah get up i drink a uh, a water bottle worth of water um and i'll usually have some oats or um, porridge if i'm really running late i'll grab some just some bananas or if there's a cliff bar or hit a cliff bar and, yep. and have that i'm like yeah that's that's cool sounds normal he's like i get to work he works like a nine to five office job um and he said i'll just snack on some fruit or something in the morning or whatever keep drinking away and um then lunchtime he will train um and do his run and he'd do his uh, a run over his lunch hour and pretty quick, he'd do like 8Ks and he'd knock that out. And um, he'd get back to work, drink a big heap of water, and then he'd have some lunch and it'd be like, uh, he'd usually bring food from home, which would be like rice with like, um, uh, you know, curry or, or veggie stir fry or something like that. Eat that. And then he'd be like, uh, he said then he would feel like wrecked like in the afternoon and he would start to lull and he's like I couldn't concentrate at work I feel wrecked he goes and and I didn't know if it, if it was sleep or whatever and um, he goes and then I'd be even hungrier he goes and I was feeling really weird and so I'd go down and grab another like a uh, bit of curry or takeaway or yeah. sushi or something get back to work and still be wrecked yeah. finish work get home be tired as um, have dinner and basically go on repeat. Yeah. And the thing that I called out in that was, I was like, dude, you lunch. Like, yeah. it, you're bombing yourself with that, with that meal. Mm. You're doing an 8K run and you're coming back and you're just throwing something into your body that is really heavy. Yeah. I said, how about you swap this out? And instead of when you get back from your run, having like that, your cooked meal have a smoothie like that, yeah. you, that that's quick to absorb um you know a couple of bananas some soy milk a bit of your vegan protein like you know a couple of dates or whatever yeah. berries blah 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 um i said but something sweet like if you, and i said worst case scenario if you it's a busy day um just grab some like grab a, a nudie juice or something like yeah. that and just knock a juice down and let that soak in because he'd go and have like, he'd have a shower as well at work. Yeah. And it's like, knock that in as soon as you get back from your training, get those simple sugars back into your body. It's going to feed your brain again, get the glycogen back into your brain. And, you know, while you're having your shower and everything, you know, it's absorbing. And you'll get back um, to work. And I, and I said, usually it'll take about 30 minutes after you've done that and you'll, you'll feel hungry. Like there feels like that, that second drop in your stomach and yeah. you're like, oh, now I'm actually hungry. Yeah. And I said, and eat your lunch. I said, but don't make your lunch like a super, I said, you've already taken in a fair whack of calories yeah. from the smoothie. Yeah. I said, and now you don't need to like put on this big, massive container worth of food. Yeah. Um, you can now eat something a bit lighter. I said, so make it more greens heavy, make it more salad heavy, yeah. maybe use a little bit of like quinoa or something like that yeah. instead of heavy rice. Heavy rice or what rice. Um, yeah, different glycemic yeah. index and, load. And, and I said, blah, blah, blah. but it's a smaller portion 
And I said, and your stomach, and all that energy is not going to your stomach for digestion, which means in the afternoon, you're, you're most likely to be a bit more alert. Um, how do you go with all man this? Yeah. that was it it yeah. cured everything yeah like that fixed that was that was that that was the the weak yeah link in his entire uh <laughs> regime and and this is someone who was you know he's not a professional athlete but he's 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 quite active mm. and this is someone who's sitting there seriously re- considering if this whole um you know plant-based lifestyle and training and everything was was doing him any good he was really at he was really worried well i mean it's an easy it's an easy scapegoat sometimes for Mm. people who are who who are mucking around with their diet to Mm. to you know say oh it's because of it's because of you know it's because you went vegan or Mm. something like that when necessarily Mm. it's more so just him having to tinker around with the timing of his meals Mm. perhaps the portion size or the you know the the content of his carbohydrate or something like that yeah and you know i guess i would say to that is once again the common things are common um first of all rule out any you know biochemical deficiency Mm. and then obviously you then move to the next logical step, which yeah. is okay. Are you eating enough calories? Mm. What are those calories made up of? Where are you putting them? Where are you put? You know what I mean. And then once again, people are going to be different as well. Mm. Everyone's slightly different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one person might digest, you know, quinoa really well. Yeah. It might give someone else a gut ache and yeah. all these sorts of things. So I would just say, first of all, rule out anything sinister. Once you've done that. Make sure you're um, eating enough carbo- uh, Sorry, enough food. Mm. Make sure you're not eating too much food. Mm. That's is often that's you know a, that's a, a big one. It's a huge one. I yeah. mean, like sometimes people just completely overeat, yeah. which makes you know sends all this blood to your to your gut. Yeah, and you then you got to go like oh like work in the afternoon like this guy was doing. Yeah, and you just cook can feel a lot more sluggish. Yeah, so even like uh, um, the whole. I've done this. I've I've done this before. This was, I did this at the last tour that yeah. we were at, where I just over ate like the day before. Like, yeah. Just, just put too much in. Like yeah. like I got to dinner time and I really overdid it. Yeah. And you in your head you're thinking, oh, but I'm gonna need it because it's gonna be a hard weekend. And it's like that did detriment to me. Yeah. I had like a full stomach all night. I didn't sleep that well. Yeah. Um, Ended up. I, ca- being I carried a that into the next day. Like it was. It, it it's it's not good. Like yeah. like you just. You, 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 and this is, but this is the stuff that we all need to experiment with and play with. Yeah. Um, and this is not, I mean, this is not a, a vegan thing or, I mean, this is just a, a, an athlete thing in mm-hmm, general. Mm-hmm. All, you know, especially triathletes, yeah. super touchy about, um, you know, pre-race meal preps and yeah. the day of, and, yeah. you know, there's, there's articles of plenty on, on what to do. And, mm. and the, the common thing is that everyone's got something slightly different. Yeah. yeah. Well, the common thing that I think is the best answer is to just do what has been working in yeah. your day-to-day training. If it's working, then then eat the exact same way yeah. going into your race. You know, you might adjust it here and there a little bit, but well, I mean, it, dep- it that depends a little bit as well. If you're going into like an, an Ironman, then I would definitely be glycogen loading. You know, yeah, seventy-two hours beforehand. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess to, to summarize um, that part of, of the discussion, it's, um, you know, doctors are, doctors are friendly people. Don't, don't be scared of them. Um, yeah. Some are better than others. Some are, uh, if you can go to a, if you know, if you have to go to a GP, maybe go to one with a bit more of a, 
um, athletic focus, they exist as well. Um, if you can get to a sports physician, that's, that's going to be gold standard. Mm. Um, what do you Google to find a sports physician? Literally just sports physician mm. uh, and then wherever you are in that mm. area. Mm-hmm. Um, and they 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 are the ones who will be able to interpret some of those blood tests better or take a, a bit, you know, like a better history and also um, help come up with uh, a more practical sort of um, plan going mm. forward as well because mm. this is what they're trained in. Yeah. Um, and then also you can see uh, like a dietitian or a, a nutritionist if you if you want to sort of hone on that stuff as well. But I mean, as as a general rule, it's not that it's not that difficult. Mm. Um, uh, you know, if you have some, if you have some, if you have had issues in the past with this stuff and you've got more of a complex physiology, then maybe you need to. Mm. But for the rest of for the rest of rest of us, it's just working out making sure you're having enough calories and hitting your macro and micronutrients mm. and then... Um, and get, and having a well-balanced training program. Absolutely, yeah. And go get a coach. You know, Google vegan athlete coaches or something. Wink, wink. Coach Aiden. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> a plug for Aiden. But um, yeah, co- coaches are great for that. That's... Uh, if you're, if you're at, that, at that part of your your athletic career then yep. you should be definitely considering and i guess if the other thing is if you are an athlete who's feeling a bit cooked and maybe go and go and see what your heart rate is like at, at mm. sub max intensity mm. that's mm-hmm. something that you've done a couple months ago and been fine at mm-hmm. if you're 15 or 20 beats higher mm. maybe it's time to have a, a bit of a break or look at um rejigging some things and doing some proper periodization in your training mm-hmm. regime so just really quickly to to yep. um, do the submax test yep. on a run, what are we doing? Oh, do it whether it's whether yeah. it's a whether it's a run or ride or or whatever swim, it is. Swim is hard. To, you can get a heart rate monitor if you swim if you're a swimmer. Mm. But um, basically, so you're going to go look back how far back. So I would I would say look back to when you were when you were firing really well. Yeah. When you were feeling great. Yeah. And say it's a thirty minute run. Mm at sub-max intensity, so just under your threshold, mm-hmm. look at your average heart rate, mm-hmm. then go and do that same thing and, mm-hmm. and can compare. Yep. If your average heart rate is much higher, mm-hmm. then it's like, ooh, maybe, uh, maybe I'm overtrained. Mm. And uh, then sort of take those next steps mm-hmm. that we just spoke about. Yeah. Um, but I guess I, I just went into detail about that initial stuff because it's just interesting. Mm. And that's what these discussions are about, I guess, is mm-hmm. to sort of break down... Um, a bit of that physiology because it's just it's it's cool. Mm. Um, yeah. Any more questions? No, I'm good. If um, if anyone does have questions, then feel free to uh, send us an email or question us in the comment sections wherever this is popping up for you. And um, yeah, throw throw Steve any sports med questions if you want, and um, we'll address we can address them in the future it'll be good for ideas for different topics and stuff like that as well but um yeah cool we've got a uh a cycling uh tour to get ready for steve yeah so let's um let's wrap this up thanks very much for today's episode no worries all right see ya see ya